0: Cycling Cicerone and this is Washington Beer Talk. I'm at Flying Bike Cooperative Brewery in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. Today I'm interviewing David and Kevin and if you didn't know better an army of small children. Flying Bike does allow children and dogs as you might be able to hear.
1: Hi, well Flying Bike is uh, the West Coast actually first cooperatively owned and operated brewery, which means that we're completely 100% owned by our members, and members um, as such have say in how the place is run. To our benefit and to our detriment, it's democratically run, which means that, you know, all the good things about a democracy and then all of the, you know, we've got to make it run to everybody's satisfaction.
0: How do you become a member?
1: Uh, It's basically a $200 one-time fee and uh, you sign up and you get your t-shirt and your glass and then you get all sorts of member benefits including discounts on beer and uh, we hold educational sessions for members and uh, once a quarter we hold a home brewing competition where we name a style and a, a large number of our members are brewers and they brew up their best version of that style and then with over two days we allow the membership to vote on which is the best beer, and it gets brewed up uh, to scale with Kevin's help, and the winner, winning brewer gets to help do that on a production system, which is pretty exciting. And then it goes up uh, on draft, and if it's popular, it'll stay up there for months and even years.
0: Okay, okay so basically every beer you guys serve is decided by, by this homebrew competition,
1: internal well, homebrew competition. I would say probably half of the beers we do and then uh, Kevin has license to come up with his own creations I kind of
2: fill in the blanks to make sure that we have a even distribution of styles on the board and, and uh, but little by little as we acquire these great member derived recipes uh, more and more of our beers are member designed. How did flying bike sort of come to be? How's that his early history? backwards thing? so I'll just start and then throw it to David because I was the last piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. in the sense that a few years ago they were at the point that they had this building had ordered the brewery and were ready to hire a brewer and uh, it was only at that point that I became involved. I am the head brewer who attempts to facilitate whole operation of how the co-op works so I'm even though I'm the head brewer obviously the co-op works in a kind of different way in that so many as David says of our members are brewers they participate in that whole side of the operation and I facilitate it more than even I would say lead it Mm -hmm. and David will tell you the origin story of the co-op
1: yeah going back to 2010 a bunch of guys got together and decided that they wanted to start a brewery but by themselves, they didn't have enough money to do it, and uh, somehow they came up with the idea to have a cooperatively owned brewery, and that's actually the origin of the name Flying Bike, is that back then they they uh, postulated that the idea of a cooperatively owned brewery was about as likely as a Bicycle that could fly, which means not very likely at all, but they were going to try it anyway. I thought
0: maybe the name had come from the fact that when you're coming up the hill to get to Greenwood, you really wish you had a flying bike. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it would be handy, but but we are the reward, right? That's true. So, um, about 2013 I became involved and uh, late 2013, early 2014, we decided that we really needed to... Up to that point, we'd been holding brewing competitions and uh, the winning beers were being brewed at at, uh, breweries around the city. And we weren't allowed to sell our beer. We didn't have a license or anything. It was more of just a marketing opportunity and a way to sell the concept. So at
0: that point, it was sort of like a homebrew club that was going to breweries, getting their beers brewed, and yeah. did it have the name flying back at that
1: point? <laughs> it, it did. Okay. It did. And actually, we were incorporated in 2011. Okay. So, um,. we started the capital campaign where we started raising investments from our membership and actually late 2014 uh, we were looking to lease this space which was actually two spaces uh, that we combined into one and the landlord at the time allowed us to have open houses to sell the concept to the membership so that we could, we were still raising money so that we could close the deal on the lease. And after one of these very long days where all of the board members were on and very up and explaining it 11, 10 times to everybody who wanted to hear about it, um, we were all very tired and just wanted to go next door to Naked City and and throw back a few and, and talk about our prospects when Kevin poked his head in the door and said, I hear you're looking for a brewer. And uh, we had a vague idea of who he was. And I tried to talk him out of it by telling him he was going to have nine bosses. And we would never done this before. We didn't really know what we were doing. He was going to have to brew other people's beer. And uh, we had no money, really. <laughs> severely undercapitalized. It's a
0: very appealing, uh, appealing story, I think.
2: <laughs> I don't think. They realized how appealing all of this was to me. They uh-huh. thought, David thought he was trying to talk me out of it, but I, I just became more intrigued the more I heard.
1: Yeah, so two weeks later, we had his resume, and then we had some um, pretty tough for our candidates. But out of that, um, we selected Kevin, and Kevin agreed to sign on board and, and help us with this crazy idea. And I would say that uh, more than half our success is due to his excellent renditions of the beers both the member recipes and his own and also just he, his um, work style and being able to accommodate just how a co-op works with its innovation and its very dynamic nature and kind of catch us catch can approach to running a business uh, but he's very tolerant of that and, and very open to our membership which makes it really work to our benefit. So I don't think we could have uh, really gotten a better candidate in the end. Uh, shucks. <laughs> oh. You mentioned
2: you kind of knew who he was. Do you have a history in the,
0: <clears throat> yes, in the Seattle this,
2: brewing zone? Yes. I, my first brewing job was in 1990 at what was then called Pike Place Brewery down on Western <laughs> Avenue, uh, founded by Charles Finkel. Um, I worked there for seven years. Our last year, we built the new brewery uh, now called Pike Brewing. There we
0: go. That was my question. I was like, isn't it called Pike Place Brewing? But Pike Brewing is now the official name. Gotcha. <clears throat>
2: when it was down on Western Avenue, it was part of the Pike Place Market proper. When we moved to a different space, a larger space, it was a little bit outside of the purview, the domain, however you would say it, of the Pike Place Market, that the the... the that area is not owned by the Pike Place Market, and the Pike Place Market would not allow us to retain that name. That's the uh, reason for the name change. <clears throat> um, our Seattle's oldest brew pub is the Big Time Brewery uh, in the University District, and I was offered that job, and I took it and brewed there for seven years. That's kind of where I... That was such a great job and a venerable institution, and it's kind of where I made my reputation such as it is. I had freedom, and uh, I left the country for a couple years, came back, and went to work for my friend Dick Cantwell at Elysian um, and was the original head brewer of Elysian Fields, their brewery down there by the stadiums. worked there for a while and went to work for the Ram Company. Um, I want to note briefly that it is a often disparaged <laughs> um, group of breweries, and I would like to stand up for the Ram, which makes great beer, has a lot of great brewers making great beer somebody was looking for a brewery, uh, a brewer, this co-op, which is, I'd never heard of and sounded eccentric, but I saw the address was in Greenwood, and I was driving home, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to turn this car around, because <laughs> it's right down the street. I'm going to just look in the window, and I looked in the window, and um, actually the door was open, and Dave, David was there, and he just kind of said, come on in, and, and it's true. He said, you know, told me every reason that I shouldn't do this. Right I now. was wondering why the idea
0: of a co-op brewery sounded so appealing to you. You said you came out of a legion, famously known for being bought out by Budweiser, yes. AB & Bev, and another sort of disparage these days, brewery, uh, like you mentioned. Um, did that also sort of play into the fact that you wanted to have this, like,
2: not only like independent brewery, but sort of extremely independent brewery? Yes. Um, I left Elysian before they were acquired. Dick Cantwell is a longtime friend of mine. I worked with him at Pike Place in the old days. That's another story that has been told over and over again, and we don't need to get into that. Um, The Ram, as I said, I respect that organization and those brewers and that beer very much. Um, But when I saw this, you know... This new little space with a trench drain and you know, they were just building and talk to these people that were so passionate about passionate about what they were doing. I just wanted to have to get myself in trouble and have fun again. You know, it just turns out that I need to wear boots and gloves and, and be and, you know, get my hands you know wet if nothing else. And um, and I, it, it was a good decision. Um, it can be frustrating, as David has sort of alluded to. We all knew it would be and, it, and indeed it is uh, because we're building something together um, that in the with the co-op model everyone has a voice the community is involved there's no dictator I will admit sometimes I wish there was a dictator just to come in and say this is what we're doing that's not really what any of us want so I'm back in in you know in this little room It's a tasting room with tables. People in here, children and dogs, they can't see but they can hear. (laughs) And in the corner is a seven barrel brewery. That's where I work. It's one little room. Everything's in one place. It's where the community comes together to enjoy beer and to enjoy each other. And I'm here because that's what I want to experience. That's the kind of life I want to have and the kind of work I want to do. And, And it happens here in a better way than it does in a lot of places. I'm trying to
0: guess here. It sounds like if somebody were to be the leader of the pack who's like making some of the decisions, I can only guess it's maybe you as the head brewer. I
2: make decisions on the brewing side. I keep the member recipes brewed and present, and then I fill in the gaps. And I have tremendous freedom, the, the board and other people, not just the board, people who were former board members who were hanging around, people that are, like, might be board members in the future, There's a there's a whole kind of team of people who are uh, closely involved and a little less involved and then more peripheral but there are a lot of it's a community of people who are members who help in the ways that they can um, but I have virtually no interference in what I want to do in the brewery and then that's um, that's pretty fun for a brewer beyond that um, it's the board and other people that make there's so much that goes on to this in this place, that's important to this place, that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going to brew tomorrow. I have some involvement, some ideas about that, I'm included in some of that, but there's a lot that I'm simply uh, not involved in and shouldn't be. That's where David and, and uh, the board comes in. And... Mm-hmm. What kind of expertise do you guys bring to the table?
1: Well, there's a, a couple of aspects to touch on there. One is is that so we're a core board of nine members. Uh, we're all members on the board. Uh, with a president, vice president, um, finance chair, you know, your standard uh, entities of a board. Then we have a steering committee that formally probably has like 25 people on it, and they help uh, make decisions about uh, the running of the place, the maintenance of the place, um, uh, and they weigh in on co op decisions as well, because uh, with a co op, we are founded on the seven principles of. Uh, cooperatives which include you know social responsibility and democratic participation so we we feel very strongly about that when it came to build this place the board members and the steering members all brought different talents i mean we had guys that were really good at concrete work we had guys that were really good at electrical and building glycol systems and i kind of herded the cats in terms of building this place uh, somebody called me a straw boss the other day, which is an apt description. In the course of building this out, we had a liability waiver that everybody who came in to work on the place signed. And every weekend for about 10 months, we had a work party. And I collected about 130 to 150 of these liability waivers. And those are the members that built the place. So 85% of the labor that built the cold room, that tiled the cold room, that trenched the floors, that built the bar, that built all the tables, I mean, everything that you see here was volunteer-built. And we couldn't have done it any other way due to the capitalization that we were in. And we didn't want to go out for big money because we don't want to be beholden to anyone. Uh, We just want to be responsible to our members. So all of our financing came from our membership. and then in the day-to-day running of it, we have people on the board who specialize in finance. We have people on the board who are IT professionals that do astounding things. Um, we're starting to run our business now, which I think it dawned on us sometime just after we opened that oh my gosh we're in charge of running a business now, so employing people and their livelihoods and paying taxes and paying taxes and. Adhering to regulations and all those things that a business has to do. It, this is this is real now, very real. So we, when we're looking for board members or people to be on the steering committee, we're looking for specific talents out of our membership. And we have roughly 1,860 members now, and out of that, we have this huge pool of talent that helps us in many different ways, from organizing volunteers to running events to doing our finances and filing our taxes, to making budgets, to uh, all the HR responsibilities of the business. I mean, it's at this point, it's difficult for me to understand just physically how one or two founders can make a brewery run because this, I mean, this takes a moderately sized village to run. And maybe <laughs> it, maybe it has to do with, you know, just our you know, uh, our big, messy, democratic model, but um, it gets done and people are still enthused and uh, we make damn good beer and and people drag their friends in here and brag about it because they're owners. We're run through a series of teams, so one of our lead teams, one of our successful teams is called the Member Driven Beer Team, and this is a group of guys who um, get together and help make those decisions, how are we going to run the competitions, and we actually, So when you have a competition that's got, you know, between 20 and 30 beers that are featured, you can't have everybody taste every beer because by the time you get to your 20th beer, man, they're all great, right? So we've actually developed a kind of scientific method to doing this in groups of beers, and you're allowed to judge just this group of eight beers because we realize that's what you can reasonably do, even if it's only three ounces at a time, to make... Sound decisions. Give everybody, you know, the BJCP specs so that they know, you know, what they should be broadly looking for.
0: Do you have anybody who's actually a beer judge certified uh, folk on your team?
1: Uh, We have a couple of BJCP certified judges. Okay. So and they keep us. Hard to imagine, no, because 1,800 people, 1,800 beer beer fans. Exactly. Exactly. And they keep us, you know, within the fences, Uh, but there's still pretty wide latitude there. Um, and then every once in a while we have an open competition, or uh, I believe our next competition is supposed to be a session ale of yes. some sort, an English session ale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but really that's We're open to a lot yeah. of interpretation. Right. So, and that's kind of the fun part about it. Okay. So you
0: you do have like the committee decides we need a session. Right. We have a session competition.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, we have some in our midst. We have some enormously talented brewers that come in and help us help and kibitz with Kevin about recipes, and uh, and Kevin has a very good ear or palate or whatever it takes to scale up, you know, these half-barrel recipes up to our system and, you know, figure out that, you know, the hop attenuation obviously is going to be different, so you don't need 14 pounds of hops, you only need 11 pounds or whatever it is that he does.
2: Fascinating and entertaining challenges, and they are <laughs> real challenges,
0: um, mostly math-based. Maybe. Yes, no. I have
2: learned the word non-linear. <laughs> so the math doesn't really the math helps you to a certain point and then you have to abandon it. Um, for instance, if like it's something like from 5 gallons to 417 317 is the numbers I don't know, 46 I'm getting the numbers wrong, or whatever, because I've thrown them away because you can't if somebody uses X amount of hops or X amount of like chili powder in a five-gallon recipe, you, and you do it, you know, to seven barrels. You can't multiply by forty-six and have it come out the same. It's nonlinear, so you have to know your brewery and kind of um, oh, what's what's the word for it back when they take something apart, wrench, you know, reverse engineer it. So you drink the beer and you look at the recipe. But I can't get to that result the same way that home brewer did. I have to get to that result the way I know my brewery will get to that result. So I get better at it as I get to know my brewery and the way things behave differently. I'm going to give you one example of this that your home brewing listeners will understand. Um, a lot of us are working more with late-edition hops, so at the Whirlpool hops or post-Whirlpool hops, or you turn off the kettle and you add a larger portion than we used to in the old days, or sometimes even all of our hops after the boil. And if you're at home and you're doing five gallons and you throw those hops in at 205 degrees, ten minutes later you're at 160 degrees. If I throw a like amount of hops in my kettle after the boil, 20 minutes later, it's still at 205 degrees. So I'm getting bitterness. I'm getting a, literally, the finished beer has a different quality of hop than it would be if I had simply multiplied by x growing up the 5-gallon recipe. Non-linear. So it's a really entertaining and fun challenge growing up these recipes and uh, yes you have to do the math and then you have to throw it out the window.
1: Another interesting uh, thing that we offer our home brewers that are part of the membership is kind of a feedback loop into okay so if I want to be a commercial brewer I've got to take these things into account and it took us a few competitions to learn that we have to say you know we can't have 17 hop additions during during the boil. And you can't use these really exotic things that are expensive because economically we can't make a seven-barrel batch pencil out properly. So we're able to provide some value to them, too, saying, you know, you need to uh, keep it simple, keep it straightforward, and make it scalable. And that helps Kevin out in the end as well.
2: I want to say that these home brewers are extraordinary. I always say a home brewer is a brewer, and these people come to me, you know, I always make fun of like Boeing engineers, but you know, a lot of them are Boeing engineers, Boeing has a great homebrew club, and you know, these people are serious, and uh, they're in, in a way more proficient and more technically and scientifically sound than I am. I'm a guy that comes in and makes beer, you know, and I grew up in the industry, and I know how to make beer. and. Um, Of course I do know the math and I know the science, but some of these people it's their hobby and they're super smart and and they put all their passion and energy and thought into it and they come in like Eric when he won that porter recipe and he came in It's like, okay we're going to make your porter Eric and he has a pile of papers and the entire first page is water chemistry. It's like I made the decision long ago not to worry. We have this wonderful Seattle water. I don't worry a lot about water chemistry. Just just enough, you know, as most of my peers do, you know, to tweak it this way or that. And he's got, you know, like nine things written down there, and I can't pronounce any of them. Um, so it's, it's number one, these these are truly great brewers. And um, number two, they're a challenge to me and, um, and a great, I mean, it's... I want to say I'm a facilitator. This is their co-op. It's their brewery and there we do have these uh, contests and vote on the best beer and I grew up these recipes. Every one of these recipes has been great. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a you know an unsound or unnotable recipe in the bunch.
1: In a non-pejorative fashion, you are an enabler though. I'm a
2: non-pejorative enabler I'm going to have a t-shirt made
1: (laughs) One other thing that sticks in my head and I'll let you move on is that uh, one of our early board presidents actually he was during the build out uh, Ryan Vanderpol was interviewed once and he said something that stuck with me and that is you know with over 1500 members and so many excellent homebrewers there's no reason we can't have the best beer in the state which you know if you think about it, for Don next door, it's it's him and Isaac coming up with stuff, and they're they're brilliant guys and they make great beers. But That's there's not, not Isaac at uh, Naked City. It's Isaac at Naked City, yeah, and Don, uh, but they're not 1,800 strong. Yeah. So
2: quite the advantage you have. We should hey, give them credit because day by day, I mean, we've formed a true, forged a close friendship with them and a mm-hmm. and a brewing friendship with them, and. Uh, they make our beer better, and I, and I know that we make their beer better, too. We have this unusual relationship. I'll just tell you briefly, I've known Don for a long, long time, and I used to go to Naked City, and, and uh, I was talking to him one day, and I, you know, they were growing and taking over more spaces. I said, are you going to take over that next space next door? And he said, you know, oddly, you know, apparently there's another brewery going on in there.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And I said, that's kind of odd. It's kind of rude even like how do you feel about that it's like I had to go back with my tail between my legs and say Don I have to tell you something
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go work for them
2: (laughs) but now we're thick as thieves and um, you know it's like neighbors it's like going next door and I have literally like when cast conditioning beer gone next door to borrow a cup of sugar (laughs) and it goes on to everything else um, yeast and and ingredients and inspiration and mm-hmm. knowledge and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful friendship
1: yeah when we first uh, were looking at the space we knew that Naked City was next door and uh, we went over and talked to them and made sure that we were not going to be off-putting to them and they welcomed us with open arms I think they thought it was a silly experiment and it was going to be fun to watch us for a while and then they'd have the space back, but <laughs> we prevailed. And in fact, we've done some uh, pretty interesting collaborations together uh, where we've actually brewed a beer in one spot and hosed it across the parking lot and knocked out in the neighboring brewery, which, to our knowledge, hasn't been done. We call it
2: the Wurt line of friendship. We've yeah. done three now. We're going to do another one during Seattle Beer Week coming up. So yeah. so far, it's only gone this way to that Next door, but um, so we we get our kettle, you know we brew over here, we get our kettle full of wort. And instead of knocking out into our fermenter, we put all of our hoses together across the parking lot into their fermenter, and we knock it into their fermenter. <laughs> and And you know, different breweries have come together to brew a single beer in a, a you know, Brewers have collaborated to make a beer in a brewery. But to make a beer in two breweries, uh,
1: I don't know if that's ever been done. Yeah. I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> and to top it off, we joined the hoses with a gold tri-clamp. Yes, Just, we have... You know, in honor of, no. uh, of the railroads meeting. <laughs> yeah. at, yes. At, uh, where was that? Uh,
2: the Golden Spike in somewhere in Utah or yeah, something. Point
1: or yeah, Point okay. Yeah, okay. So
2: we, we, we played it up, and, and it's all very hilarious and fun. Yeah. And... Yeah, so that tells you what bitter rivals we are.
0: Right. I'm looking at your cup, and I can see this is a member cup, it's got a member's number on it. I, saw, I think I saw you walk in with it.
1: Yeah, so this, about that. This is, uh, so this is actually an investor's mug. So our initial investors that helped build the brewery, um, a certain level and above, bought themselves a mug, or the brewery bought a mug for them that gets them an extra four ounces of beer for the same amount of price. This basically I look at is um, this is my security against the loan that I've given the brewery, <laughs> and when once it gets paid back, I will relinquish this tattered mug to the brewery. Did it take
0: a spill? Is that a chip that you sanded it down, actually, or yeah. is that just your lip marks? No, <laughs> it's,
1: like... it's it's not wear from me. It actually had a mishap in the in the dishwasher, I think, and I sanded it down. So, you know, it's quite unique.
0: Do you guys have growth plans? Do you want to get more investors? Do you want to open a new location? Do you want to get a bigger brew house?
1: Um, so we're struggling with that right now. Is the, trying to figure out the best way to uh, grow, uh, being cognizant of not wanting to lose our identity um, and and still keep it appealing to the membership because this is their front row, right? This is their third place. Um, we're you know our most profitable beer is sold here on tap. Uh, and then we're trying to figure out um, how to distribute profitably. Unfortunately, um, we've kind of got a small brew house, so we have our challenges there in terms of scale. Uh, we have a fixed overhead, so um, we're, we're working through that right now. We distribute all over the city, self-distribute, and we also have a bottling program where we sell bottles here, and we're also at Central Co-op, another co-op that is, has um, asked to feature our beer. So, uh, to our knowledge, you know, we're the only co-op here that they could feature. Um, so, as we get that figured out better, we'll we'll be available in more places for people, and also in different packaging styles, so that they can you know take it to parties or buy it as presents for their friends. Or we have some out-of-state members that we could um, that we, they could ask their friends to ship them beers however they choose to do that. Yeah, I think the primary thing is to maintain the, the feel and the community that we have here. So if, if we can't become wildly profitable without losing that, I think that we'll choose to maintain that instead and, you know, just be viable.
0: That's all you can ever hope for. Yeah. Would you yeah. say that it's getting harder to do that um, now that craft beer is like really maxing out or would you say craft beer is maxing out you know growth wise industry wise do you know
2: do you I, care I, 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 this is a conversation that I have with my friends a lot and I these are good questions do I know and do I care I don't think anyone really knows um, a lot of people really do care because their livings depend on it um, beer great beer is not going to, just beer will never die it, it's ancient. It will always be with us. It's a beautiful thing, and it's better than ever. Um, it's not going away. So, the the it's obviously experienced explosive growth growth recently, um, in, especially in certain places, Seattle being an obvious example. So, the question is, can the, a new one open? You know, every forty eight hours forever? Obviously not. Um, are people going to suffer? Um, go out of business. Probably if few. the question is uh, how many and you know how how kind of difficult will the crunch be when it comes. Um, I would like to think that um, I always loved the brewpub model or the tasting room model that there's no reason you know there's always been a tavern on every few corners in a in a dense city there's no reason that that tavern can't make its own beer so that is a successful business model. I, to me, you know, the people in the middle, the regional-sized craft breweries, um, they have a tough road to hoe. Uh, The really big guys, you know, they're going to fight their own battles. The middle-sized guys are going to get stuck in the middle and, and have trouble finding way to survive at that scale. There will always be the little guys, and I think that we can survive as little, as little guys.
1: Yeah. I think um, there are a lot of uh, breweries in Seattle and other breweries that I go to where I really enjoy the community that they have. But I think that our co-op model uh, gives us an unfair advantage in terms of community because it's it's it, it it does kind of coalesce around beer, but then it allows us to do so much more. I mean, our social giving, our um, we have a really successful run club that I mean have formed friendships and they go off and do stuff independent of the brewery now uh, because of the community that they have created here and um, we have several uh, (coughs) events and charities that we support that um, that benefit from this community so and and we have the input and struggles and demands of 1800 people that keep us honest and keep us you know going in a direction that, oddly enough, has been very positive. I mean, we haven't really devolved into 1,800 people fighting about what we should brew next. It's been really collaborative and very hopeful.
0: That's just just a good story. I can't imagine anyone uh, listening right now is not thinking they want to become a member. So do you want to say a little, maybe say again how, how you do that?
1: Yeah, come on down to the brewery, um, sample the beers, get a tasting tray, figure out which one's your favorite. Um, A membership is 200 bucks, that's one time, lifetime. And then that gets you, I mean, the most obvious thing is you get beer discounts. We have a a happy hour price in every day and there have been countless members who have drunk their membership fee and discounts within a year. (laughs) And then you're just money ahead and it's just a lot of fun, I mean. And just go on the website and uh,
2: sign up just to support a good thing.
0: Do you guys have any other events coming up soon you maybe want to plug? Anything else you want to say?
2: Seattle Beer Week. I, I, it's April. I, no, it's no. It's, it's uh, in May. May.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know the date. Wordline Line of Friendship, part of Seattle Beer Week. Sponsored by Naked City Brewing. Next door, it's going to be a pig roast. Oh, here's a good story so we have this uh, man named Luke he's an organic pig farmer I don't know about the pigs but he's organic and I have to always have to, <laughs> I always have to make that joke but he's an extraordinary person and he runs a you know he raises pigs and he is the every brewery needs a farmer to pick up their spent grain and Luke picks up ours and naked cities next door we share the farmer and um, When we do our wort line of friendship brew during Seattle Beer Week, Naked City is going to use the parking, convert the parking lot into a a little party, and we are going to have beer uh, made up by the two of us. We're going to make beer together that day, and we're going to have uh, roast a pig fed with the spent grain from our two breweries. So Perhaps can... even
1: braised in some of the beer. That oh, yeah. there's a
2: yeah. nice touch.
1: There you
2: go. Look it up. There's a, a Seattle Beer Week page that you can find this on. Excellent.
1: The other th- fun thing that I'd like to mention that would be uh, attractive to people who are home brewers that are considering becoming members is that once a month, Kevin hosts a brewer's table. Uh, where he gets together, pushes a bunch of tables together, gets together with a bunch of uh, member brewers, and they talk about Kevin's beer, he does some sampling off the tanks, um, maybe off a cask, and they also talk about some of the members' beers and what challenges they're having, or they bring them in and talk about, you know, how to improve them, and uh, it's just a, a great collaborative thing, both for the members and for Kevin himself.
2: Yep, go on the Flying Bike website and find out all about all of this.
1: Yep. All right,
0: great.
2: Um, I guess one more thing I want to ask about. Uh,
0: last week I was at a uh, Pink Boots event you guys hosted up here. Do you guys want to talk about that at all? Do you guys do that a lot?
2: Yes, it happens to be that we we have, uh, we're three years old, and this we've done the Pink Boots event every year.
0: And Pink Boots is like the, the
2: female brewer society. It's a nonprofit set up to uh, support women in craft brewing. Uh, founded by my dear friend Terry Ferndorf, um, this year we combined that event with something else. Uh, just up the up the ways here uh, is uh, local craft brewing, Maltings Skagit uh, Valley Malting, and they they're doing something this year for the second year. Skagit Maltings showcase. So we combined the two brews. We did a Pink Boots beer with all Skagit Valley malt, and we also used the way the uh, Pink Boots Society set it up is they had a special Pink Boots blend of hops made by YCH, and uh, What's we, YCH? It's a it's the um, it's a hop broker essentially. Cooperative actually. Cooperative. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> um, we used that, those hops, and we also used 100% Skagit Valley malting, malt. And the women of the flying bike came by, well, we met earlier at the brewer's table that you mentioned, and mm-hmm. um, designed this beer, and they showed up that day, and we brewed it together, and it was uh, featured at the Skagit Valley malting showcase just uh, two days ago, and. Um, that's our Pink Boots beer. It's being served now. It's called We Can Brew It. Yep, it's kind of an ambery, hoppy thing. Ambery, mediumly hoppy mediumly thing. Hoppy. Like, as amber. often is the case here, we're kind of between styles, <laughs> and it's re- it's not an amber. Yep. It's not a brown.
1: We take the best from all styles, right? That's a really yeah. good
2: way of putting it. Yep. Um, so we had really uh, a great deal of fun with the Pink Boots. Uh, project again this year, and really involved uh, a, a really passionate group of uh, our female members who took over the project, told me what to do, were quite insistent, if I may say so, and brewed uh, a delicious, uh, strong, light amber. I guess mm-hmm. we can put it that way.
1: Yeah. Hey. And we have a we have a very strong um, women contingent here as members, which is kind of fun as well because you know this is. Brewing is a bastion of the, the white men, so it's nice to mix it up that way, and it just, I think it it improves our beers.
2: Yes, the more yep. the merrier. Yep.
1: 8570 Greenwood Avenue North. down. Right. <laughs> yeah. Open seven days a week.
2: Sweet.
0: Thank you so much, guys. That was awesome. David, yeah. Kevin, yep. thanks again. Thank you very kindly. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Make sure you check out the Cycling Cicerone Bike and Brew Trails. Coming out soon, the Ship Canal Brew Trail has Figurehead Brewery, Urban Family, Rooftop, Mollus, Belltown Brewery, and Old Stove all on one awesome bike route with a punch card where you can get a shirt. Washington Beer Talk is available wherever you get your podcasts from, including Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. If you want to hear more episodes of Washington Beer Talk, go to cyclingcicerone.com. They're all up there. Thanks for listening.